You're listening to the Harvest Christian Fellowship Weekend Message Podcast. To learn more about our community, like what we believe and how you can take a next step, visit us online at hcfcornwall.ca or join us for one of our services this weekend, Sunday mornings at 9.15 or 11 here at 847 York Street. Pray and we're not going to be under anything this morning except the anointing of God and God's word right now. And we've been in the presence of God, but why don't you make a decision right now that you're not going to let anything contrary to God's blessing, God's best, God's word, God's touch, God's presence infiltrate your heart today or touch your mind. You might want to lay hands on yourself. I do that sometimes. Just lay hands on yourself. Father, in the name of Jesus right now, I thank you that your word is a two-edged sword. I thank you, Lord, today that we're here to receive the word of God. We're here, Lord, to be in your presence and enjoy what you have for us. I just want to, Lord, thank you that there is nothing that can stand against you, nothing that can stand against us, nothing, Lord, that can interfere with what you want to do today. We receive the word of God today into our hearts. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Thanks for praying with me today. Just as we go to God's word and believe that he has something for us, I want to start a new series, What's in Your Hand. Next week, we'll uh, take a bit of a break one Sunday, do baby baptisms and water, or uh, baby dedication and water baptism. And uh, if you've never seen adult baptism, uh, you're in for a treat. And uh, we have people who will share their story and, and uh, follow Jesus in the waters of baptism. It's going to be an amazing week next week. Week after that, What's in Your House. And I'll conclude this series, three-part series, What's in Your Heart. And uh, last week, uh, we've had just a great week this week. Last week, you had Pastor James Tripp here, and I was in Motion Church in Morrisburg. We kind of swapped places. We're trying to be intentional about building family relationships in the region, and that's a church that we want to continue building with, and uh, we're cheering them on, and we've been resourcing them, helping them in any way that we possibly can, and they obviously have capacity to help us, so we're partnering together here in the region. It was just uh, was fun. How many were blessed by Pastor James last week? Yeah, come on. It was. I know it was so great. You got. You guys got the better deal, and uh, we had Christine and I though had a great time at Motion Church in Morrisburg, and it, it just really, really we felt timely and uh, a great, great Sunday. And then Friday, refreshing night. Oh my goodness, the Brazilian fire was here, uh, Pastor uh, Pastor Frank Satius who is a, not only a friend, but he is um, an elder outside of our, kind of our local government here in our church that speaks into my life and just helps uh, us navigate through things that uh, we might need help with. And I said to him, we just really are desperate for a touch of God and our leadership team has been laboring, and our dream team has been laboring, and we need a refreshing night. And they dropped everything they were doing and uh, said, we'll be there, brought their entire uh, worship team, audio team, light team. Uh, Pastor Frank had just gotten off the plane from a conference that he was doing in Brazil, and, uh, and then stepped onto our platform and served us here. And that really speaks highly of the commitment of family churches walking together. We don't walk alone here at Harvest. We walk uh, in partnership with many, many churches that God's given us. Why don't you just give a hand to Pastor Frank, Pastor Chris, and Viva Church in Oshawa. 
I want to welcome everybody online today. I love the way Karen said it. We love you and you're special to us. And sometimes I forget you're out there because the camera's kind of small. But I can see you and uh, you're just so happy that you're with us today. You know, I love preaching about destiny. It's one of my favorite things to talk about, stir you up with, that God has chosen us. Um, you know, sometimes it comes across like God needs us. <laughs> that God somehow needs us. And uh, just, you know, newsflash, God doesn't need you. If he needed you, he wouldn't be God. He's complete. Uh, he doesn't have need of anything. God doesn't need your time or your talent or your treasure, your money. God doesn't need anything from you. And sometimes it comes across, I think, as we're sharing about destiny and purpose, that somehow God needs us. But I do want to declare to you today that God wants you. He loves you. He's chosen you, and he wants you. And God's chosen to partner with us, and I don't understand it, but he wants to partner with us to unfold his great plan upon the earth. He wants to use us to make difference, a difference in other people's lives. And so destiny is about the choice of God, choosing us, choosing our lives before we were even born, that we have a role to play in his great plan here on planet earth in these days. And as we talk about that, I want you to understand that your destiny, your plan, the purpose that God has for you, didn't start and doesn't start when you uh, decide to be a Christ follower and accept his love into your life. And that crazy life-changing moment that we're celebrating next week in water baptism. That's not when God's plan started. God's plan started, the Bible says, before he even began the foundations of the earth, before he even put the universe into place. You were in his heart. You were on his mind. He knew about you and knew uh, that, that he would have a plan uh, for your very life. So destiny, it's not imposed upon us. It's not like God has it all planned out and then it's imposed on us, but he invites us into walking with him because he's the creator. He designed us. He fashioned us. He knows exactly how he made us. And like a key in a lock, he wants to place our life into a position that would be most satisfying and, and most fulfilling because we're doing what he created us to do. It's not imposed he invites every single person to partner with him and step into it. This morning, I'm asking the question that the scriptures are asking that we're going to look at. What's in your hand? I want to look at the life of Moses today. And we meet Moses in Exodus chapter 2. The Jewish nation at this time is living under the tyranny of uh, Egypt. And Pharaoh is the controller of that nation. And uh, the children of Israel, the Jewish nation, is a slave nation. They're serving Pharaoh's purposes uh, in that country. And we, uh, we meet Moses in chapter 2 of Exodus, uh, and there's a literal cultural genocide going on. That the Jewish nation is growing in numbers. Pharaoh's nervous about it. And so he orders an edict that every male child, as soon as they're born, be killed. And so they send Egyptian um, kind of nurses into all the homes where they see women that are pregnant and ready to give birth, and, uh, and so they're going to kill any male child. So a cultural genocide. And that's, that's really the environment and the culture that Moses is born into. 
a young couple having their very first baby. He happens to be a boy, but they don't want their baby boy to be killed. And so they hide Moses, they hide the baby, but you can only hide a baby for so long because babies make a lot of noise. And, uh, and so they were having trouble hiding Moses and they made a decision and we pick it up in Exodus chapter two. But when she, Moses's mom, could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him and dabbed it with asphalt and pitch and put the child in it and laid it in the reeds by the riverbank. This is really a fascinating verse, and I want to unpack a little bit of it for you. Some of you might feel this morning a little bit like Moses, like you were born and you were popped in a basket and pushed out to sea, and maybe you didn't have a lot of parental support, a lot of parental oversight, and you feel like your life didn't have a lot of meaning, or maybe today doesn't have a lot of meaning. And you were just kind of set into the course of chance and the course of events and pushed out the sea, so to speak. And it was kind of like, I hope they make it. I hope they survive. And today, I'm glad you're a survivor. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're in the room today. I'm glad you're online. But you might relate with Moses, feeling like you were just kind of dumped into a position and shoved out to sea, and we hope for the best. Well, I want to talk to you today. I want to talk about this amazing, in many versions of the Bible, basket. But the word isn't basket. The translators said basket because it was made out of bulrushes. So it looks like a basket. Basket. Looks like, acts like, quacks like a duck. It's a basket. But the word isn't basket. The word in the Hebrew is ark. And it's only used twice in the Old Testament. Once for Noah's ark and once for Moses' ark. But the translators said basket because ark didn't seem to make sense because he's not in an ark. He's in a basket. But it looks like a mini ark because it's got, it's got asphalt and pitch, and those are the same things that God told Noah to put on the ark to save a family, a family that God said will not come under God's judgment will go into a vehicle of salvation, and God gave that family in the ark a promise and a destiny that when the doors opened from the ark, it wasn't going to be what the enemy had planned, but what God had planned for the earth. And Noah and his family stepped out into promise, stepped out into destiny, stepped out into the plan and care of God, because God preserved them from what the enemy intended and what the enemy wanted. The enemy intended certain death for Moses, but Moses' mom, it's a picture of us today, puts him in a ark, in a basket. God, your life wasn't shoved out into chance. I want to tell you this morning that your life has purpose because God says it has purpose, and he puts you and positions you to step out of your destiny, your ark of salvation, his intention was to save you and to have you walk in all that he has for you. Come on, as aimless and as just kind of happen chance as you think your life might be, I want to tell you today that God has a purpose and he positioned every human being for salvation, to be saved and not to be in the hand of the enemy, but in the hands of God. He placed your life in position for salvation. Well, the little infant Moses was discovered by Pharaoh's daughter. 
I'm preaching way better than you're responding. And I heard last week that Pastor James, he told me, he taught you, because he's Pentecostal, and he needs a Pentecostal kind of atmosphere to really preach well. And he said, you got a quiet bunch. That offended me a little bit. I said, we have a quiet church? He said, you have a quiet church. They're hard to preach to. He said, but I, I got them going by the end. They were, they were shouting me down. So if you've forgotten that, if I'm imposing some kind of, oh, let's just listen to what he has to say. I need your help this morning, all right? So if, yeah, if something kind of, if something's kind of like, yeah, that's, that's not bad. That's not bad. You can say, that's not bad. That's pretty good. All right. <laughs> and I wish I could tell you it's not because I'm insecure, but I'm very insecure, so you need to help me out. I feel, all right. So this, I better keep on track here. Thank you. The little infant Mo- <laughs> The little infant Moses is discovered. And Pharaoh's daughter uh, actually spares his life and raises him in the courts of Egypt. And the story goes on that Moses becomes an adult with a sense of purpose and actually privilege. Uh, He has the privilege of being uh, really part of the the royalty of Egypt uh, and adopted, even though he was a Hebrew, adopted into the courts of Pharaoh himself. And, And maybe you can relate more with that part of Moses Maybe today, as you look at your life and you had parents that were super supportive and you have an education and you have means and perhaps today a job and, and just resources and, and like, but like Moses, we find out that Moses still felt so empty. He still felt like he didn't, he couldn't understand his purpose and somehow he knew he was to lead and somehow he knew he was to put forth the purposes of God, but he hadn't met God yet as we're going to see. And he watched uh, an Egyptian beat, literally beat to death one of his Hebrew uh, uh, brothers. And so he killed the Egyptian in retaliation. And then he realized, oops, <laughs> oops, and, and that wasn't maybe a good way to use my destiny. That maybe wasn't a good way to use all that I've learned. And maybe you're here today and you've tried, maybe better than Moses, but you've tried to fulfill, I know I'm supposed to count for something. I know my life should make a difference. And you're not Moses aimless, but you're Moses, I have resources, I I have a degree, or I have some level of education, or I have job experience, and I still feel like I'm not fulfilling what I'm here to do. Moses kills the, uh, the Egyptian, and he's disillusioned, and he is out on the run because Pharaoh's actually going to require his life. And he settles in a place called Midian, where he spends the next 40 years of his life as a shepherd, taking care of sheep. 40 years that we know little to nothing about Moses until one day in Exodus chapter three, the story unfolds 40 years later and Moses is out in the wilderness taking care of his sheep and he sees a, a, what, what we learn as we read a supernatural phenomena that there's supernatural fire and it's burning in a bush, but the bush isn't burning up. And he's attracted to the phenomena. He's attracted to God's presence. He's attracted to what's going on over there. He doesn't understand it, but he's attracted to it. And he begins to approach, what is this thing? And the voice of God begins to speak to him. 
And God begins to unfold to Moses a plan that he has for the earth. He begins to describe to Moses what's happening at the burning bush of what, how he wants to partner with Moses. And he says, I, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sorrows. Can I tell you today that God's heard your cries? He's heard your neighbor's cry. He hears the cry of Cornwall. He hears the cries of this region. He hears the cries of difficulty when they go up. The cries of people who don't know God, but they say, if you're real, God, if you're up there, can you do something about my situation? Maybe you've cried out that way. Can I tell you that God hears that cry? God's responding to that cry. For I know their sorrows. I know your sorrow. Think about it. There's a God in heaven that's not detached from this region. He loves people. And he says, I know their sorrows. And we could say, well, God, why don't you do something about that? And he says this. So I have come down to deliver them from the hand of the Egyptians. I have come down to deliver them. God says to Moses, I have a story, and I want to invite you into my story because you have a part in my story. 2,000 plus years ago, 2020, however we measure the calendar, plus three years before that, we call it the very first Christmas that we're ready, getting ready to celebrate this season. And God came down to earth because there was a cry from the earth that the taskmaster of Satan and the taskmaster of sin, the taskmaster of addiction, the taskmaster of, uh, of mental illness, the taskmaster of whatever it might be that is contrary to God's plan had a grip on people's hearts and lives. And Jesus came down to change the story. He came down to planet Earth. God came down in response to Earth's problem that's called sin and separation from God. Jesus came down. And he lived amongst us. He understood us. And yet without sin was able to go Easter to the cross and to take God's anger and judgment for sin on himself so that God's open arms could embrace a world that so desperately needs what we call salvation, to be saved from the taskmaster of sin. God says to Moses, I've got this plan, and I would love for you to be a part of it. I, I, you have a part to play in my plan. I don't need you, but I want you. I want you to understand the purpose that I designed you with. I love you. I don't need you, but I want you, and I want you to experience what I have for you. Well, Moses goes on for verse after verse after verse after verse after verse of telling God, I know I'm the only one out here in the desert, and but you got the wrong guy. <laughs> yes, my name is Moses, I was plucked out of the water. That's what it means. I have this whole story, whole, whole, whole thing going on in my life, but I'm fairly certain you got the wrong guy. And he begins to tell God all about how he's disqualified from being a part of anything great that God might be doing on the earth. And uh, 
Maybe if I stay in church a little bit longer, God, I, I, maybe, you know, I, but, but I just don't know a lot about the Bible and I don't know how to kind of behave. I don't behave so good all the time. And I, I, I kind of really, wow, your presence is amazing. And the story, this story's kind of cool too, but I'm not sure I fit into this. And he's telling God all the reasons why. And God literally interrupts him in the middle flow of sentence. And it says, uh, Exodus 4.2, and the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? What is that in your hand? And it's an amazing question. And I, I, and it's, I, I need to kind of unpack this so we can understand this today. And it's the question and the title of this message this morning, what's in your hand? And we need to look at what's in our hands, but we need to understand what, what, what's going on here because he responds, a rod. God, you're supposed to know everything. This is a shepherd's staff. God, this is what I use to keep the sheep. Well, obviously, if it's so obvious, something more is going on. And a shepherd's staff represented more than just a stick that the shepherd used. When I was a kid and we had a church place, um, we, there, we just didn't have access, not a lot of shepherding going on around. And so we'd use hockey sticks. And so you haven't been to a good church uh, a Christmas program until you've seen a little kid in his house coat with the house coat wrap on his head with a hockey stick. How many people were in a play like that or watched a play? There you go. So it's not a hockey stick. It's a, it's a shepherd. The first, as soon as he's ready to go out and be a shepherd, he would go and choose a branch and it would be carved out and, and he would use it as a weapon to, against the enemy and he would use it to gently uh, gather the sheep and move them, a shepherd's rod. Have you ever done this where uh, you've been out and about and somebody's car goes by and you go, hey! Hey, there's George. No, that's a car. <laughs> but you know that's George's car because you associate the car with George. Hey, there's George. And, and if George gets a new car, it throws everybody because now we don't know where, who George is and where he's because he got a new. So you understand? We associate. And the shepherd, the shepherd was associated by his staff. If you went to the shepherd's pub after work, and the shepherds would put their staffs outside the pub, and you were to go in, and, and you're getting ready. Oh, George is here. His, shepherd, his rod would be outside. This, the principle today, I want you to get this, is what God was saying to Moses. He said, uh, this isn't going to start in this moment. I don't need all your excuses. I don't need you to tell me all the reasons why you don't think you're qualified. See, I've been a part of your life from the very beginning. I put you in the vehicle of salvation to bring you to this moment. I brought you to this moment. I, I need to ask God speaking to Moses. I need you to ask the question, what is your story, Moses? And that shepherd's rod represented everything about Moses, his joys, his trials, his pain, his suffering, his celebrations, the good, the bad. Everything about his life was symbolized in that staff and brought 
brought him up to this moment. And God said, I want you to consider your life right now, Moses. I'm the one that is part of your story. And today I'm intercepting your story. I'm coming into your story today and inviting you into our story. And together we'll go forward and I will use everything that's in your hand. I'll use every pain. I'll use every sorrow. I'll use every disappointment. I will use it all to bring glory and to show others that I love them. I've come down, Moses, and together, come on, we're going to free some people. What's in your hand? Look at your life today, and would you consider this? Moses says, a rod, a rod. And God said, cast it on the ground. And so he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and he caught it and became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, we understand at harvest as we've taught before, that simply means the God of promise. Say promise. God has promised every person salvation. He's positioned every single person, not for judgment. God didn't create one human being for judgment. He created a vehicle, a vehicle of grace, a vehicle of unlocking your destiny in him, that you would be positioned for a moment in your life where God would say, what's in your hand? This life, God? And Moses threw it down in obedience, and Moses saw what his life was, if it continued, not in, not in God's hand, but in his own hand, or ultimately in Satan's hand, the serpent. And he saw his life. And God said, pick it up. And he reached back down and he picked it up. And it became a rod again. Same rod, but now a different story. Come on, you got to get this this morning. Same rod, but no longer under the influence of what Satan had decided about his life. No longer the, the lie that you were just pushed out into life with no purpose or no destiny. No longer the emptiness that you've tried and you've invested and you're saying, I need to make a difference, but I still feel that emptiness. And there comes a moment in every single person's life, and we're going to celebrate it next week, when God says, will you give me your life? Will you surrender your life? Will you lay it down and say, oh, I see what it is without God, and pick it up and say, I can see what my life could be, that it's now our story, and together with everything from the past, but God's saying, I will use all of that, but no, Satan doesn't have, he can't touch it, and what he meant for evil, watch us go, Moses, come on, watch us go, and Moses Perfect, whoever that was, perfect timing. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I want to preach louder now. Woo. <laughs> and Moses, Exodus 4.20, you got to get this. Remember, God said, what's in your hand? Rod. Moses' rod. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. When you, begin, when you decide to be a Christ follower, we begin this journey I believe all along the journey, and I believe fresh in 2020, whatever it is, it's going to be in January. Um, 22? Is it 22? I'm losing track. I feel like I've lost two years. Um, that I believe a fresh to harvest and a fresh to all of us, God is saying, what's in your hand? And we're not to underestimate what can happen when we give our lives, 
Now, now, now I, I'm not saying, you know, like, yes, this, give our lives in the sense of receiving Jesus, but it's more than a prayer. It's more than, you know, accepting. It's beginning the new story. It's beginning walking with God in a way that he takes all of who you are. And watch what happens. Ephesians 2, 8. For it was only through this wonderful grace that we believed in him. Nothing we did could ever earn this salvation. For it was the gracious gift from God that brought us to Christ. So no one will ever be able to boast, for salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. We have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. And even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works that we would do to fulfill it. The tapestry of your story and his story every day, every day, God using all that we are, the pain, the embarrassments, the things that perhaps bring shame on our life. And God says, not anymore. Together now, it's our story. I want to give you three quick points. How just practically today, I want you to see how powerful it is if you will afresh today say, God, I want to serve you with my life. I want to give you all of my story, all of my training, all my gifts, all my talents, not because you need them, because my life won't make sense unless I put it into the creator's hand and my life is God's life. Moses took the rod of God and he began to walk what happened? Number one, your life in God's hands will reveal the way of salvation to others. In Exodus 14, the great Red Sea crossing, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go through on dry ground in the midst of the sea. When you make the decision to say, God, you can have all of me. God, I want to serve your purposes. I want it to be our story. It will require you to stretch out your life. It will be uncomfortable. It will be stretching. It will be a stretching out. But if you will do it, you will begin to see people come to Jesus through your influence, through your story, and corporately, church, through our story. And we will create a place where we use this word revival, which is kind of another word for spiritual awakening. And I love that people come to Jesus every week at harvest. And it's wonderful. But I believe it's supposed to be more than one or two or five on a Sunday. How about 20, 30, 40? How about, how about satellite churches all across this region? Because we stretched out. We stretched out our life and said, God, you can have all of me, even if it inconveniences me. Number two, your life in God's hands will be life-giving to others. Moses said, God said to Moses, take your hand, take your hand and your rod, which you struck the river, and go. And behold, I'll stand with you there at the rock of Horeb, and you'll strike the rock, and water will flow out. When your life opens up living water for another to drink. If you were here Friday, I mean, if you didn't taste living water, you might have COVID and you have no sense of taste. I mean, so you should get that checked out. But I think together we realized how life-giving that service was and receiving. And, and so what happens, I asked the team, I just kept saying, thank you for coming. Oh, my goodness. And they go, all we did 
was drive four and a half hours, set up our gear, and do worship. I go, oh, no, 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 no. All you did is opened up the rock here at Harvest, and water started gushing out. And I was going, num, 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 it tastes so good. They stretched out their life. They allowed their lives to open up the hard places so that water could flow. Believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst forth from within you, flowing from your innermost being, just as the scriptures have said. A cup of cold water in Jesus' name is not without reward, the scripture says. You might think, I just got a little bitty little vessel. I can't give out very much living water. You got to think how how nonsensical that is. Living water has no end to it. You just, in obedience, take your life and say, I want to be one who opens the hard places so that the river of God and people can drink and go, I taste life. And he wants to use you to do that. Number three, the last point, your life in God's hands releases power so that others can win. And that's a win-win. So many are struggling. So many are hurting. Moses said to Joshua, choose some good men to go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow, tomorrow, Moses said, I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Moses was on the top of the hill. There were some people battling Amalek, which means the dwellers of the valley. Today, you might be in a valley. You just need somebody with somebody, somebody take their rod. Could somebody sit in group with me and tell me I'm gonna make it out of the valley? Well, somebody, could somebody just tell me how you made it out of the valley? Could somebody just take your life and you beat addiction because I've never met anybody that has beaten addiction and I'm trapped in addiction. And somebody could go, I'll be introduce you to the one who set me free. Let me introduce you to the one. And you might be on the hill today for someone in the valley. But then, and then sometimes we switch places. But we need each other. We need to take our lives and share our lives. And Moses stood on that hill, and there's a picture of a powerful prayer so someone else could be set free. You might be in that valley today or know someone. I want to tell you that there's some people here on a hill. And the only reason we're on a hill today is because Jesus was on the hill of Calvary. And he gave his life so that we would know how to take our life and stand in the position of where Jesus was and say, it's got nothing to do with me. I'm not some kind of champion that climbed the mountain. Here I am. No, I just know who I am in Christ. And I want to share it with you. The tapestry of our stories together. What does it look like if we would take the rod of God, give God, pick back up. This is God's life. And now I will live God's life as he would have me live this. What would a church look like? Well, I think it looks like harvest, but I think we're going to go to another level as never before. If you're here today, we're going to close our service. And at the end of every service, I ask the question, have you ever stood in a place where you felt like God was speaking to you, like maybe today? And you might have been in worship and something just was going on where you go, there's more in this room than chairs and a sound system. There's more going on. See, Moses was attracted. There's something going on in that bush, and he was a far, far away from anything godly. God didn't care. 
God was getting him ready for that moment. And he was attracted and he went in and then he heard God's voice. And you might be here today. You might be online today and something's going on in the inside. And I'm telling you what it is. God's saying, what's in your hand? Would you throw your life down and give it to me? Because I want it to be our story. Do you feel like you've been pushed out to sea with, he says, your life is aimless and nobody really cares. I want to tell you today that God cares so much that he has you in this service. He has you online because he's talking to you today saying, would you give me your life? What I'd like to do right now is just invite someone in the room. If you're online, if you're in the room, I'm going to count down from five. If you're online, I want you to just text. I want Jesus in my life. I give him my life today. I'm going to count down five, four, three, two, and then one. At one, if you're here and you say, I'm not, I don't understand it all. I just know that I want to give my life to God today. I want to exchange my story and make it our story. I want to accept his love today. I want to know him today. If that's you and you're in the room, if you're online, you're going to text it in the box right now. If you're here in this room, five, four, you know it's you because your heart's beating fast. Three, and like so many, so many people at Harvest before you, two and one, would you raise your hand and just say, pray for me, pastor, today. Is there anyone? Is there anyone? I love when children raise their hands. They're like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. All right. In the room, let's stand together. I didn't have the privilege to lead someone in prayer today, but that's okay. There's another Sunday coming. There's another service coming where somebody's going to say, I want the story. How many today would say, I need to afresh, fresh, lay down and pick up my story with God. Just wave your arms at me. Lord, I just pray right now as we close out this service and worship. Lord, the excitement of a new year, excitement of a story. Lord, it's our story with you. Lord, that we will see miraculous things take place. People delivered, living water flowing, people set free because we decided to give you our life, our talents, our callings. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, worship the Lord right now.
just one more time. Let's sing that out. Thank you for joining us this morning. We love you. Have an amazing rest of your day. We'll see you next week.